Message a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good morning and welcome again to NSPS Radio Hour. We're ready and charged up and ready to go here today and have sort of a unique situation today. I guess I could say that my guests are in studio. That's probably not a good terminology to use, but actually uh, Neil Sandler and Gavin Schrock are joining me today, and they were kind enough to come over and meet with me this morning. So we're uh, we're on the phone together. We're just in, in different rooms. So guys, I hope our walls are thick enough that we won't hear each other through the walls. But welcome to the show. Thanks, Kurt. Morning, Kurt. Glad to have you both with me today. Um, just for introduction, I think people know the both of you. Um, Neil, of course, is the, what are you, the owner, publisher? Sure. Jack of all trades of, of, of what is now known Cook as and XY, bottle washer. Yeah. XYHT Magazine, or as I like to call it, Excite. There you go. Uh, um, that's probably not going to catch on, Neil, but that's okay. <laughs> But uh, And Gavin, of course, is a contributor to that magazine, and uh, Gavin's pretty well known in the surveying circles for a lot of his writings and a lot of the work that he does. But Gavin, for the sake of those who may not know you very well, maybe you could tell us a little bit about what you do. Well, uh, when I'm not having to edit the magazine for Neil, uh, it's funny to have the boss on the other line. No, I'm a practicing surveyor uh, full-time. I uh, operate a real-time GPS network, but also involved in uh, mainly structural integrity monitoring, uh, occasional bits of boundary, but mainly uh, monitoring, uh, subsidence, that, that sort of thing. And so that's interesting to, to – it's a great segue, actually, to where we're going in our conversation, because you, you enter, in, introduce yourself as a surveyor, and – automatically started talking about things that many surveyors don't do. So, But that's going to be part of, our, part of what our conversation is about today, is looking at our profession in the, in the broadest context. And I think that thought actually had a lot to do with the transition of the magazine name from what was Professional Surveyor to now X, XYHT. And one of the reasons I'm, I've asked Neil and Gavin to join me today is that we are either just passed or are nearing, Neil, I can't remember exactly, the, the one-year anniversary of that of that name change, right? That's correct. Actually, issue number 13 just came out uh, this past week, so we've uh, successfully uh, completed our first year as XYHT. But first of all, Kurt, thank you so much for having me and having uh, Gavin, who I might point out is far more than a contributor. He's our editor. Uh, he's the brains behind most of what we, what we set out to accomplish, and uh, uh, so Gavin does far more than just a contributor. But yeah, but we've just completed our first year, Kurt. Uh, it's been an exciting first year. Um, we've learned a lot, um, and we see a bright future ahead of us. We see a, an incredibly bright future for surveyors who uh, still represent a large, uh, large, large percentage of our readership and our audience. Um, and as you know, we talked about this this morning and on uh, previous occasions, a, la- a large, we are of and by the surveying world, most of our readers still are surveyors, and one of the reasons we went through this transition was we listened to surveyors uh, who are our readership, 
our advertisers, and, and much of what we did was because of our participation in NSPS meetings. Uh, I sat in and, uh, for years and listened to the trials and tribulations of surveyors uh, within NSPS, and, uh, and we made the adjustment. We made the change. Um, it wasn't an easy one from an owner's perspective. I am not a surveyor. I am a business, small business owner. And, uh, you know, listening to a lot of your folks, I can tell you right now that uh, there were a couple couple memorable moments over the years. Uh, I remember John Matonich uh, from, uh, what's the name of his firm up in Michigan? Uh, Rowe. Rowe, Rowe, thank you, Rowe mm-hmm. Surveying. Uh, I remember him talking at one of your meetings about uh, that he went to an aggregate, a meeting of aggregate uh, companies, and he was the only surveyor there, and he, and he looked for opportunities for, for his company, and he found some. Um, I remember meeting uh, Russell Hyatt down in Florida. He was at a hydrographic surveyor's meeting. Uh, and I'm like, Russell, what are you doing at this meeting? He goes, I'm looking for opportunities. They do Hydrographic surveying is something we're certainly up to and can handle. So uh, you know, looking for opportunities for surveyors is what we are all about. We're, we're, we're uh, no different than our readers and our members and our, our organizations that uh, have helped us grow. And I have to tell you, I'll, I'll cut to the chase and let you talk a little more, Kurt, but uh, it's worked. Our readership for the first time in 12 years is, is growing rapidly, which is exciting. Um, revenue as a small business owner is up. That's exciting. Um, you know, opportunities for surveyors are growing uh, exponentially. They really are. And I'll give one, one brief example of another area that we're entertaining is uh, his one example is, is forensics. There are, uh, we were talking about earlier this morning, there are 1,700 forensics departments within police departments in the United States, and, and guess what? They all do surveying. They might not call themselves surveyors, but they do surveying. Uh, but anyway, so it, it's been an exciting first year. We are growing. Um, we like to pro- think we're providing guidance uh, and direction for our world, your world, and, and we do listen to uh, suggestions and recommendations from you guys. Anyway, I've said far too much, but thank you. Yes, it's been a good and interesting first year. And, and don't apologize for doing the talking because that's my job is to get you to talk. Okay. So <laughs> that's, that, that makes my job easier the, the more you talk. But I, I wrote down the word uh, adaptation as you were having the conversation there. And, and uh, I know that was part of the, the process you went through for the for the magazine. And really that's it dovetails really well, I think, with the whole concept of where we are as a profession. We were talking with Gavin about that this morning and, and looking at uh, being able to adapt to a changing world that has seemed to have sprung upon us so rapidly, although we've had time to ad- adapt to it. Maybe we haven't done that as quickly as we could, but clearly you know, it, it's, well, it's out that, there. That was a motivation, um, Kurt. Um, and there, the conversations that, you know, Neil, Neil and crew had been thinking about this for many, many years, and it already started to change professional surveyor when he and Dave Doyle and some others kind of convinced me to get involved in this this crazy scheme uh, it didn't turn out so crazy it was we, we understood the constituency was there um, there were especially well I hate to say this in other parts of the world the adaptation had been a little bit of a head start on us in the US where people were actually going back to ironically, where surveyors were hundreds of years ago. In those days, anything to do with land, the measurement, the resources, the geology, you know, surveyors did that. 
Well, the adaptation coming back is now that there's this, I hate to use the buzz term, geospatially charged world, mass data capture, big data, big geodata. You know, you go to the ESRI conference and there's 16,000, you know, screaming fans up there listening to Jack talk about all the cool stuff they're doing, but who's collecting it and measuring it? They're... I, I run into these people all over the place, all over the country, and I find out, oh, yeah, I started in surveying. That's, that was my route. Now they're doing all this scanning and remote sensing and all that. So the constituency was there. And after we, we changed, so many folks came up to us at conferences and, 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 and commercial conferences and, and, and uh, state societies and all that and came up and went, wow, we're being represented now. You, or we, we we have you know we we had uh, have still have you know three fine surveying publications serving the you know we'll call the tradi- or the um, core model of, of land surveyors and this this wider representation of what we do what we can do what we should do and the markets we could be gaining uh, it was uh, you know we felt it need to happen and a lot of people have been very appreciative that we we cover their their disciplines now yeah you know it's sort of funny in a way but uh, a couple of the companies that uh, we were gavin and i were both at the uh, esri conference last week in san diego and i remember talking to some of the folks at the surveying and mapping group down in texas and one one of the person individuals at their booth said it's actually sam inc a geospatial solutions company i'm like wow okay and then I think I made a mistake at the Trimble booth, and I said something about the surveying division. They said, actually, it's uh, Trimble Geospatial. It used to be Geo, uh, Trimble Survey. So, it's, you know, we're, we're doing nothing different than everyone else. And they want to grow. We would like to grow. We'd like surveyors to survive and to, and to thrive. Not to just survive, but to thrive. I mean, who doesn't want to grow their business and, and look for more opportunities? And it's fun. i got to tell you, the future for those who are embracing the future, is exciting. Um, we, we just had a uh, issue of our weekly newsletter called Pangea go out today, and it's talking about the use of, uh, of UAVs and for, for uh, utility work, for bridge work. Oh, my God, I think it said something like 45,000 bridges in America need to be, need to be uh, examined. And they're talking about how surveyors and some of these folks are going out there with with UAVs, and, and instead of having to put scaffolding up and examining the bridges, here's an opportunity to use modern technology, do the, do a job for, for something that is incredibly badly needed in our country, uh, the, the, the horrible condition that a lot of our bridges are in. But the opportunities are just out there. They're just out there. And we're just trying to help people see that they are out there. Well, that's that's. Good news, I think, for the profession. We only have a couple of minutes left here before we go to the break, so I don't want to get too deeply into this, but one of the things that came to mind as you guys were talking, um, somebody, one of you mentioned um, surveying and all of the things that are surveying, and we now have different names for lots of different things. And I I got to thinking about that back to the future thing. We always talk about surveying being the second oldest profession. Um, So it makes one wonder. What what were the series of events that caused us to sort of lose that focus if if we did, or to what extent did we lose it, such that now when you talk to people 
at their shows and you talk about surveying and they say, no, our name's geospatial now, it, it's sad as a surveyor, I guess, to think that um, we we kind of lost our, our, our identity maybe somewhere along the way because wouldn't it be nice if they said, yes, surveying is all of this stuff now <laughs> and and maybe geospatial is just a term we needed to create or needed to be created to uh, to make uh, things sound different but uh, it just it just brings to mind that whole thought about we we in the surveying profession sometimes think that we've we've lost our way or or we've lost our focus or maybe lost our our influence i don't think that's necessarily true but certainly in the way we name things that seems to be the case so um Maybe we can yeah. talk about that when we get to the next section. We've got about 30 seconds, so let's let's do that. Um, yep. Gavin, if you want to start, and then we'll pick it up after the break. But you can go ahead. We still have 30 seconds. <laughs> oh, I thought you. I thought I got cut off there. Well, no. there, there, there's. I've heard some interesting historical theories on on the demographics when we looked at the census data and uh, and the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So. Well, that's a good way after to, the break for yeah for that one. Yep, that's a good way to start the the next session because I th- I think that is important. We we all seem to realize something's going on. We're not sure what it is. So let's go to our break and uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Want to know if your Shonsted locator is still under warranty? Go to Shonsted.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. And here's something new from Shonstedt. Did you know that Shonstedt has upped the ante on trade-ins? Now you can trade in any instrument, theirs or a competitor's, in any condition, working or not, and receive more in trade than ever before. Plus, they'll pay the freight both ways. Contact your local dealer for details or go to shonstedt.com. That's S-C-H-O-N-S-T-E-D-T dot com. You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Before we went to break, we began to think about this whole idea, and I'm not really sure how to 
frame this, Gavin and Neil. It's it's almost like an identity crisis um, among those of us who are what we consider ourselves to be traditional surveyors. And uh, you you had some thoughts about that, Gavin. You were going to share. Yeah. Um, a year or so ago, we we looked at the Bureau of Labor Statistics and census data, and then I got a hold of some some you know folks in different countries. Uh, and uh, wanted to you know wanted to look at this subject about there's all there's a lot of talk about definition, and actually I found out that in almost every industry or business that goes through uh, time transitions, you know that. Uh, the economic framework of things changes over time, technology, people's needs, that uh, you can go back and read historical novels about almost anything. And uh, the same conversations that people that did things like whaling and cattle driving were having their identity crises. But what was specific about surveying and started to think about what were the markets for surveying and why did they change so rapidly? Well, People forget that a population of, of the U.S. doubled since 1955. And you think about the 1950, late 1950s, 1960s, sort of a golden age of, of surveying because people were building levit towns all over the country, suburbs, uh, development, sprawl, all that Cold War spending, you know, where they had built the entire interstate highway system. There was a lot of need for surveyors. And the technology was still very labor-intensive. So you had this big bubble. And there was the land surveyors being concentrating a lot on cadastral on land because of all this development. People were finding other ways to do this mapping. Uh, GIS kind of grew up in the same era, the roots of it. And surveyors were initially involved in it. But they needed to build it so rapidly and inexpensively to get all that base in. GIS doesn't work unless you got a hell of a lot of data. And, you know, they couldn't afford to do it all high precision. And the surveyors were busy and happy and prosperous and, and boundary. Pe- people started to find other ways to do things that surveyors used to do. And I've, I've been hearing this theory from a couple of people, and I'm starting to, I'm starting to believe a little bit that when the... When the the land development, you know, all the suburbia, the, that sprawl kind of slowed down. It was around, you know, the times of the economic downturns. We had a couple of them o- over the past 20, 30 years. Uh, the baby boom aged. We had a, a, a lot of us surveyors got our age and older, and there wasn't as much boundary to do. And in the meantime, a lot of these other geospatial activities that surveyors should be doing because uh, other people are screwing them up uh, people took their ball and went 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 on and did that so I can understand this this anxiety about we we need to gain um, more of an authoritative role in some of those other geospatial fields and that was one of the motivations of the magazine was well let, let's let's talk about that stuff again you know, yeah, and you know, Gavin, thank you. That's a great segue. You know, one of the, one of the things that I find most interesting, and once again, I am not a surveyor. I keep reminding you that is that surveyors are not alone. Uh, as I said, Gavin and I just came back from the Esri conference, and we talked to GIS folks, and they're like, they feel like they're being, they're worried about being 
uh, uh, narrowly defined their profession, and they're looking for opportunities to expand their roles as well. You know, we 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 segued from Professional Surveyor Magazine into XYHT Magazine with the basic premise that all worlds were coming together. They were that, that the professions, uh, all that they're out there, are really overlapping. Uh, they're not splintering. They're not going off into their own worlds, but it's becoming more, much more unified. And you know, the more we talk to folks in other related fields, we're finding that certainly to be the case. I think one of the first individuals that came to us, and this is probably 12 years or so ago, I remember Jeff Jacobs from Leica Geosystems came to us and suggested the idea of a, of a, a column on something that very few people were paying much attention to, and that was scanning. And that was 12, 13 years ago. And, and back then, I, we, I remember a couple ca- people castigated us over, why, why is Professional Surveyor Magazine publishing stories about scanning? You know, here we are 12, 13 years later. Uh, does anybody ask that question anymore? Uh, if you can recall, G- Gavin brought to us uh, a couple years back a, a surveyor up in Canada who brought his scanning equipment down from Canada to, to the Indy 500. G- Gavin, you want to tell that little story about, uh, about what that was about? Well, he, you know, he had a, a very successful boundary outfit, but can only grow so far. And he had an affinity for racing, an affinity for tech, and uh, had a scanner, and thought that that's that's a nice side business to to go into. Uh, it's the, you know, the the feast and famine of the boundary. The companies find some niche, uh, topo, uh, you know, uh, utility asset inventory for people. That, that, I see a lot of that. And, uh, well, Kurt, you said you used to do a, a, a lot of topo uh, back with your firm as well. This is just an example of it, but the rather than other non-surveyors taking those scanners and doing it, I'm just so thrilled that folks like that Canadian guy are, are, are going out there and, and, and uh, establishing the authority in it. I was. I got um, a message from one of our members. So I want to think it was in Missouri. Not the first time I'd ever heard this, but it just happened again recently, where he was talking about maybe we needed to create a uh, a network of surveyors around the country to go and do the uh, the precision measurement on for golf matches. If you, I'm sure you've seen that on TV, or maybe you don't watch golf on TV. <laughs> I don't know. No, actually, the uh, the open at the Chambers Bay, um, the people that were doing it, uh, they contacted me, um, running the state GPS network, and they wanted to, uh, you know, to uh, to utilize that, and then uh, found out that they had scanners, total stations, robotics, total stations. Not everybody on the crew doing that, because uh, they started that actually a year or so ago. Uh, even back in the design of that, uh, when that course got built, but there were surveyors involved, or people that came from the surveying background. So that was, that was kind of neat to, to to hear that. Do you do you think earlier you said you made a statement about? I think the the phrase you used was other people screwing things up, um, and and that was our perspective, of course, because it wasn't to the level of precision that or accuracy, maybe precision measurements, one thing, um, that we were accustomed to. And do you think that harmed the profession in any way in terms of embracing? Because we kind of looked at it as though, well, this stuff really doesn't work all that well and it's not as as good as we can do it with with what we do. 
I just kind of think sometimes maybe it slowed us down in our adaptation to it. Well, it's real hard. It's it's real hard to uh, you know we take pride, you know surveyors take pride in our work, and we want to do things the best that can be done. And getting used to the concept of fit fit for purpose can be a little rough. Um, you know, the customer. You know, you, you always say the customer is always right. Well, the customer isn't always right. You know, they're making some wild assumption about something and going, no, it has to be more precise than that. It's tough to educate them. But there are times when the customer is absolutely right and goes, you know what, I'm doing this drain field, and I don't need it to the hundredth of a foot. I can't afford that. And far too many times surveyors go, you need it to the hundredth of a foot. Why? Be, it, well, because we're professional surveyors and we do it to the hundredth of a foot. It's it's kind of letting go and, and, and understanding the fit for purpose. Uh, Dave Doyle does a great speech about this as well with geodesy. Uh, it, it is tough, and I don't blame surveyors for, you know, wincing a bit when when somebody says, no, I just need a rough map. Oh, there is no such thing as a rough map to us, so... <laughs> Yeah, you said you were talking about the the uh, the whole hundredth of a foot thing, and it made me think earlier. You mentioned I was, I talked about doing topo, and I, a lot of it with plain table, and a lot of it with just a series of spots, and then creating contours and that kind of thing. To to think that that was highly accurate <laughs> is a mistake too, obviously. So you know, on the one hand, we're saying, well, we did it this way, so it was so much better. Well, maybe not. Well, we've upped the ante a little bit because the, um, you know, it all, it became this, you know, I closed my Travers to one in five billion. You know, we upped the ante because our instrumentation and our methods are, are getting so refined that it, it's kind of hard to step back from that. Well, we upped the ante so far that we can put ourselves out of a contract sometimes, and I have seen that happen. It, it's unfortunate. Kind of rare, but uh, it, it can happen. Um, yeah, we're moving forward, and there's people doing this mass data capture, the scanning, the mobile mapping, where they get the scanner and the uh, uh, 360 camera on the vehicle. And if they're not doing that right, the customer goes, that's not precise, I'm not going to use you. So they actually have a really severe incentive to do it right. I wish they would turn to surveyors more often than they than they do. I am seeing more of them reaching out to surveyors to be involved, at least in the team, to do it. That's encouraging. But the proliferation, uh, Neil, you remember we tried on the backpack at the, at the Absolutely. conference. Here's this backpack, and uh, the registration of the imagery, uh, of course, to absolute is something that probably only a surveyor can do. But the relative in it, they can just walk through a factory or a building or a place where the GPS won't reach. And the relative precision of that point cloud is astounding. Um, yeah, I, I wish more of us would get involved in that and kind of take that back. It's sort of funny, uh, Gavin. I was wondering if you were going to talk at all about some of the folks that you interviewed uh, last week at Esri, but I know that... that uh, the gentleman who founded, uh, for example, AccuWeather was one folk, one of the individuals. He also he also interviewed a number of other folks who were really talking about the importance of what we do in their worlds. They really appreciated it. You remember we talked to the uh, deputy director of the NGA 
Uh, Kurt, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, you know, the, the defense mapping background, but they're actually, their charge now is to be more of a resource uh, because uh, easy, uh, business is, 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 is national security, you know, ha- having uh, strong commerce and things. So they're, uh, they're reaching out. They, they, they want to uh, commercialize a lot more of their work. And almost all that is stuff just perfect for surveyors and mappers. And they also want to finally free up some of that Cold War, all the reference control marks and stuff and, and mapping that they can make available. Um, this tidal wave of information is something great that, that surveyors can benefit from and help people interpret. That's true. Well, we're ready for a second break. Let's pick up on that thought when we come back. Hang on one thing, though. I will add before we'll forget. we got to go, Neil. we got to go. Okay. Getting into underground utility location? If so, you'll want to know about the Schoenstatt Instrument Company's MPC kit, a multi-purpose combo for locating both ferrous objects and underground pipes and cables. And because it consists of two instruments in one package, it qualifies for trade-in allowances on two locators, any kind, any make, any condition. Contact your dealer for details or visit www.shonstat.com. That's S-C-H-O-N-S-T-E-D-T dot com. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for QuickStakes today. Want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. One of the things we were talking about when we went to break was the whole idea of surveyors. I think the term you used was get it back in terms of capturing some of this work that, that's out there. And before I jump into that in terms of how, you know, how do we prepare to do that, what's the education we're going to need, and all those kind of things. You started to talk about an interview that you were going to do or hope to do with, with someone at NGA. Yeah, I, I was just, uh, Gavin had mentioned that he uh, we sat completed down and interviewed. the interview. Okay. Right. We haven't published it yet, yeah. It'll be in the next issue of XY. I was just putting in a free uh, plug for our publication. It'll be in the next <laughs> issue of XYHD. And we also videotaped it, so it'll be on our website as well. Sorry for the, trying to get a free plug in there for us. That's okay. That's what that's what we do here. So okay, so. Not, not a problem. But this 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 concept, the, the whole get it back concept. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, hand wringing in terms of 
you know, what's the future of the profession going to be? We're all getting old. We're dying. There's nobody coming along that thinks like we do. Um, and, and engaging ourselves into what will allow us to, quote, get it back in terms of do some of the things we've done historically, um, I think that's a big challenge. And, and, and I think some of the, the whole concept we need to think about is, okay, if we're going to get it back, we kind of need a plan. How's that going to happen? And and then I think that leads us into an educational discussion as well. But Gavin, I was curious about your thoughts on that. Well, the um, yeah, we we you know we thought we talk about this a lot. It seems every every time we meet a group of people, this comes up. And somebody made a comment once a few years ago. They said, "Well, who do we who who do young people have to look up to? The succession planning, you know, they look up and their heroes are like Elon Musk, you know." the, the uh, uh, Tesla guy that did that, you know, and, uh, you know, SpaceX and all that. You know, they're looking up in, in the geek world to that, that these are their their inspiration is uh, hopefully not the Kardashians, but, no, it's people like Elon Musk, you know, that did all these things, people that did a lot of stuff young. I mean, Bill Gates was in his 20s when he got all that going and, and jobs. And I thought, wait a minute, um... There's a lot of inspiring people who are pushing this uh, succession planning. And we came up with, we wanted to profile, and it's not ageist. I uh, hope people don't think this is ageist, but we're doing 40, we're going to profile 40 people under 40 years old that are influencing or moving this initiative forward um, and that want us to take this stuff back. The people that, that support this, we're, uh, we, you know, we put out uh, a notice for nominations. Uh, we, we, we identified a number of people to start with. Uh, for instance, uh, founder of a, a UAV company who's under 40 that is arguably one of the most popular in the world. Um, there's um, uh, surveying educators all over the world people uh, developing our hardware and software. Uh, we want to capture as many of those as possible, have a good cross-selection of it. But come to find out that most of the nominations I've gotten are actually for uh, women as well. So there's that, that change in, in, in the demographics that is going to be reflected. Um, I, I noticed that... Uh, this all parallel development that that after we got this going, I noticed that uh, Mike Anderson over at POB, I think it's great he did this um, uh, top 100 thing. And we <laughs> talked with him about the 40 under 40. So uh, I, I think our, our, our profession and the related industries need to do a little bit more of that is let, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about the positive stuff, the positive stuff that's happening. Maybe people will stop doing the hand-wringing as much if they see that there is this this potential bright future, and there's some really kick-ass leaders who are are pushing that pushing that forward. And, and just so you guys are clear, this, this is our, our Outlook section. We do a special edition every December. It's called Outlook, and this year the 40 under 40 will be profiled in that special edition. And we've already gotten several hundred uh, 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 folks who have submitted uh, for someone else uh, some very impressive, and I won't say totally young, but uh, under 40 years old who are just amazing. So oh, some within the NSPS leadership. Yep, uh, absolutely. NSPS directors we've got. So 
uh, people who run a run a uh, surveying engineering company or something. Uh, it, it's great. Every time I get one of these nominations and I look the person up, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, maybe we got to do uh, 80 under 40. You know? Right. <laughs> so just, send, just send a name. If it's all you've got is a name and a contact or whatever you've got, send it to, to Gavin Schrock at xyht dot com and s c h r o c k and uh, and we'll. we'll Entertain that person. We'll, we'll do the di- do, 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 due diligence and find out who they are, and and we're going to have a, a small group of people going to help us select the the top forty. This sounds like a really big task to me. I mean, you're talking to a guy here who has a tough time deciding between the cheese fries and the salad, and so it, in in looking at these nominations and these phenomenal people that 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 are may coming along, and as as long as this is going to last now. You may have several hundred of these to, to choose from. How's that process going to work? Well, uh, so what I do is I do I, I plug them into a spreadsheet and I do a low level pass on the person um, because I'm not going to make it's going to be a panel uh, that does the final decision like we did with the student essay contest a few years ago. We're going to get representatives. Uh, we have already on tap people from the different parts of the end of the uh, profession, and so. You know, I do that cursory look at it, and I pretty much just uh, put a uh, LinkedIn link in there so that the uh, people selection uh, can can take a cursory look at that. And then uh, uh, sometimes the, the people that nominate have been providing a link to a person's company or their LinkedIn. So a lot of that uh, about the person exists online already. The research has actually been uh, a lot easier and faster than I thought because everything's sort of out there in that, that cloud thing. So you're you're preparing this spreadsheet for some group of people to go through. Is that the way it's going to work? Or yeah, okay, yep, absolutely. Yes, and uh, well, yeah, it uh, it'll be tough to choose. Some areas we get more nominations than others, and uh, we're we're getting an international cross section as well. Right. People forget that when they're out there using their instrument, it's it's often somebody overseas that came up with the design for that or the algorithms that run in it. And uh, it, it, the nominations got very global, even though we really only publicized in the U.S. and Canada. Yeah. The one thing that caught me by surprise was, as Gavin mentioned earlier, were the number of really top-notch educators. There are some really uh, top-notch folks who are uh, under the age of 40 who are getting their students all jazzed up about their bright futures ahead of them uh, and, and really motivational, and, and they're excited about their futures. And that's such a nice thing to see in this day and age. Educators and mentors. We got yes, some people yeah. that identified a mentor that, like, helped uh, three or four years worth of students uh, with their uh, with their surveying homework. And uh, yeah, it's it's you know uh, we we hope to accentuate the positive with this publication and this whole nomination process has just been fantastic. Gavin and I would venture to say I don't, I don't want to tip your hand at all, but I would venture to say that a majority of the folks that are going to be in the, the December issue of Outlook will be folks that people, most of our readers have never heard of. Would you agree with that? Um, I'd say about three-quarters of them, they have not heard of them before, yeah. unless it's a localized. Uh, you know, there's a, a, a support specialists for uh, equipment that people just totally love, you know, and prove that good support and good service equates to success. Those Some of those names people might recognize. Um but, yeah, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes people they haven't heard of yet, but they're going to hear of. And, and, and that's Curtis, kind of in- 
kind of interesting you you mentioned the the tech support folks and um, if I guess just at the first glance at forty under forty influencing the, the our profession um, those might not be the people who immediately come to mind but when you stop and think about it a little bit they're they're so critical it's just that definitely um yeah, I, I kind of felt guilty. We ran a satire about tech support a few months Uh-oh. ago. <laughs> and, you know, and then afterwards I felt a little guilty about it. But, uh, you know, we all have our tech support nightmares. Um, you know, I, with it, there was a joke uh, a joke I heard the other day that said uh, how we could deal with the world's drug problem is make drugs legal, but the only way you could get it is through the cable TV's tech support. Um, so, but the... Uh, the make or break for the person in the field out there sometimes, you know, it, there's if they don't get that equipment running right, it could mean they got to stand down an entire crew and do it on another day. And sometimes those tech support people, uh, you know, they're they're besieged, you know, and the good ones can make that difference. So I wasn't surprised when people nominated some of them. It sounds like now you were talking about the process. You're doing the spreadsheet and all that, and and is your selection team going to be um, all internal to the magazine, or how you how are you doing that? Oh no, no. Uh, no. So we've got some educators that uh, are just over forty. <laughs> uh, we've got some educators just over forty, some uh, retired uh, uh, equipment developers. We want to get some. Uh, well, it's kind of because there's people nominated by the NSPS, we'd like to get a, an NSPS representative on this. So um, someone who, who who won't be nominated that can be unbiased. Um, Kurt, are you under 40? Uh, definitely. Under, <laughs> 40, under under 40 decades. But just you, you might want to, Gavin, you might want to ask Kurt to participate if you have. Uh, yeah, if you'd be up for uh, uh, being on the on the selection committee, uh, that'd be great. We're probably going to uh, do that process in about October. So I'm just gathering all the nominations now, and uh, yeah, they're great from all over all over the world. I I I was very surprised. So what's the deadline for the for the nominations? I believe I I put October first down. October first. Okay. Yeah. So that's right around the corner. Right. Yep. Sure is. As fast as these years go by, it's just. Uh... And you know what? I, I don't. I, I realize that we're on the NSPS hour here, but I will say that uh, you know you don't have to be a surveyor uh, to be nominated. We're certainly entertaining folks in related fields. Um, uh, I mentioned to Kurt prior to our interview here that the, surprisingly, a lot of our new readership is not just from the surveying community. Um, we've grown in a variety of related fields, um, and, and that's exciting, too. So you don't have to be just a surveyor. You, who knows? You could be an administrator or an inventor. Um, but, uh, yeah. Actually, that, that thought, Neil, leads us, I think, to maybe our final topic when we come back from the break, and that is the integration of the, the licensee with all of the other people who are involved in this this geospatial entity that we're involved in, and how are we going to move forward in our interactions and our perspectives of each other to get the most out of what's available to us in technology and and uh, thought processes and all those kind of things, and obviously how maybe we can talk a little bit about how the educational system can play into that. But uh, I think that's that's a really intriguing challenge for the surveying profession as we move forward is, and I don't know if playing nice with everybody is the right terminology, but but 
that facing that challenge of integration um, um, from us as the people holding the licenses, the, pro- the professionals with everybody else involved. So maybe I'll get you guys to talk about that a little bit when we get back, and we'll, we'll go to our break now and come back shortly. Schoenstatt Instrument Company has been making locating easier since 1953. First, with its yellow stick, the GA52CX, the industry standard for sensitivity. Then, the GA72CD, a shorter and more rugged version offering a magnetic polarity display and a battery and sensitivity indicator. And most recently, the GA92XT, built for portability. It retracts to fit in its holster and extends for one-handed operation and fingertip control. See them all at Schonstedt.com. That's S-C-H-O-N-S-T-E-D-T dot com. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800 438 0387 or go to com. that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E dot com and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quick stakes today. Want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. We're back for our final segment today with Neil Sandler and Gavin Schrock talking about um, a variety of issues. Speaking of issues, issues of XYHT Magazine, of course, and uh, the the project that you guys are undergoing right now, 40 Under 40, a very intriguing project. It's going to be interesting to see how all that works out and I don't know if you're going to have any any set of data that people could go and dig into a little bit if they wanted to after the fact just as I mean obviously you're going to hear about the people that you select but I suspect there's a lot of interesting information about the people that that don't make the the 40 group but still are really uh, highly laudable people so that that'll that would be an interesting I think for for people to see yeah I'm but thinking I, about uh, I'm thinking about uh, somehow getting all the other nominees online. Oh, that'd be cool. Uh, they're yeah. all, I mean, they're all so inspirational. You know, everyone that we've gotten is that I, I think we'll leverage online to, to put an expanded group out there. Yeah, you know, and also, and also being a publication, always looking for news stories. I mean, a lot of these folks are involved with interesting projects that lend us, that lead to a, a story for us. Oh, sure. Yeah. That's a, that's a good angle. Mm-hmm. Well, we, one of the things we were, we're going to talk about here in this last segment was there, this whole, adaptation thing for our profession and looking at all the things that we've been talking about today and how they impact our profession and looking at that from the perspective of we the licensees working in concert with all the folks who are doing a a lot of activities that we have done and could or should be doing ourselves in in the future as well and how that plays into our educational system. And I guess when I'm talking about educational system, I'm not only talking about how do we get three people through universities, but sort of this whole lifelong learning process. Um, I don't know, Gavin, maybe you want to start with that. 
Well, actually, that was a theme there at the SRI conference, which, you know, surveyors kind of, you know, we bristle at the thought of a GIS conference, but there's things to learn there. Um, there's a, there's a, trying to do outreach uh, and the lifelong learning, it, it's sort of an economies of scale thing. The, there's outfits doing tremendous uh, uh, outreach through, even down to middle school, all the way through university, and through the, the non-education population, uh, local communities, people that aren't necessarily in a school but are locally involved in things that are important to them, their land, their you know uh, flooding and drainage problems in their jurisdiction. And, and one that was uh, at the keynote of the Esri, uh, which was these uh, uh, two siblings, two uh, high school uh, kids from from Molokai in Hawaii, who were doing a study on the invasive mangrove, and that was because the uh, GIS community, uh, call it in industry, uh, I won't use the word profession, but they did the, they're doing this outreach through just about every high school in the country. And they did this amazing study. It won a national prize. I wish to know which prize it was for a student uh, project. But the outreach is because the, uh, you know, the boundary uh, and land, that is the most single important thing to a person. Like you said, beyond their family is their property, the most valuable thing they'll ever own. But there's no immediate need or, or no compelling immediate sort of subject to that until they want it surveyed for their fence or they're going to sell it or something like that. Whereas these other things are going on uh, in other disciplines or industries, the wind and solar boom, the oil and gas uh, uh, all over the country boom, the people that are involved in that are the ones that are funding this outreach to make sure they get... uh, Succession planning. An example for that is the maritime surveying, often to do with the natural resources and oil and gas. They run a thing called MATE. It's a middle school through high school competitions for building underwater robots, but their mission statement right there on their website says they want to build the future workforce. Our challenge in surveying is how do we do that without this giant economy of scale of need um, so uh, I rambled a little bit there, but that was my thoughts on how I see other successes in this, but how, how do we translate it into ours? So. And, you know, Gavin, one, one thing, Kurt, that, that, that Gavin brings up here, and I, I think it also a lot of times gets unsa- unstated, but one of the reasons that we really were excited and continue to remain excited about XYHT is we are drawing in a, a whole new uh, audience of young readers, and if we can get them excited about what this profession offers, uh, potentially offers them, we're all better for that. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that, that, that you know, Chuck Boatler, our sales development guy, and I were walking up the street on Gaslight District the, the day we were leaving Esri, and one gentleman came up to us and saw our XYHT shirts and uh, stopped us and told us how, how much fun he had and looked forward to reading each and every issue of our magazine. And, and you know, if we can get people jazzed about what they do, uh, heck, my 13-year-old son looks at XYHT and says, boy, this is cool stuff. He's a techie. Uh, if we can't get young folks excited about a profession, we're all in trouble. And I, I think part of it, too, is is expanding our own knowledge base even after we 
get through school, go into practice, get our licenses or whatever, and it seems like there's more and more opportunities to do that kind of thing and, and exposure for the profession. Uh, during the break, we were talking about um, GeoLearn and, and, and Joe and his guys and what they're doing, and I'm, I'm sure they're not unique, but certainly they're doing a lot of good things. And uh, finding ways to um, for, for that outreach, I think Gavin made a really good point about resources, um, you, these programs that you're talking about. That, that takes a lot of resources, and that's one place where we fall short, partially because of just the size of our profession and so many various tentacles that go out that are not directly tied to the practicing professional where outreach occurs and we kind of get left out of it and we don't have all the resources we need to become part of it. I, that's a big challenge for us, I think. Well, well you uh, know what? Our, our mentioned GeoLearn, uh, Joe Pilot's company, GeoLearn, uh, our editor, Dave Doyle, uh, Gavin, what, what has he just uh, completed? Eight courses, I believe, eight that courses, are now going to be... Uh, in Geodesy through GeoLearn. And uh, that's, a, that's a good foundation because a lot of surveyors never had to deal with Geodesy until they started using GPS. So uh, that's, a, that, that's a great example. The other stuff, GeoLearn, um, the, the online courses, we... we uh, at the AC conference there at Esri, I uh, got talking to the folks from Penn State that are launching a whole wave of uh, MOOC, you know, the massive online courses. Uh, Europe's been doing this for a while. And actually, when I talked to um, geomatics and surveying students in Europe, they got a lot of the foundation right there in the classroom, but got most of the other stuff through the MOOCs. Uh, our, our profession could really get involved in the MOOCs. And you know our numbers are small, so we're only picturing ourselves, picturing ourselves as an audience. Wouldn't it be great if we could? All these real estate agents that make all these kind of crazy assumptions about boundary. If we could educate them a little bit, it might educate them into knowing why they need to hire surveyors more often as, as well. But getting into the MOOCs through GeoLearn and other and and and, and universities, uh, I see that as an opportunity. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It's certainly something that uh, that we need to need to be thinking about for sure as we uh, as we move ahead. So we've got uh, I don't know five or six minutes left in the program. So I don't know what I have failed to to bring up today <laughs> that you guys may may want to talk about. You know, but, one thing I'd like to to mention is that you know we are always as a, as a magazine that's growing, and our readership, our audience is broadening. We're always looking for interesting and challenging stories that show how maybe a new technology or a new 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 way of doing things is successfully or even unsuccessfully undertaken. Uh, so anybody who's listening to this program who thinks we may have an interesting story that we would we'd uh, think about publishing online or in print, please contact us. Contact Gavin, who's, as again, once again, our editor. Um, we, we always, I've never met a human being in my entire 40-some years in journalism who hasn't had a fascinating story to tell. Uh, you sit and talk with someone long enough, you find out, uh, you find out what, what they do and what they've done in their current or past, and, and it leads to an incredible story. Um, so anybody who thinks they don't have a story to tell, I beg to differ. Well, that 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 you know that that's one challenge for our profession is sometimes we don't tell our stories well, or, or we're, you know, the way they say engineer can design a rocket to go to the moon, but they can't tell you how the hell they did it. Well, surveyors kind of get like that. They have fantastic 
in, in very educational uh, experiences to convey. And they're intimidated. Yeah, some of them don't want to write, don't like to write. That's not a problem. You know, uh, uh, spelling something out in stream of consciousness or through a, uh, an interview, and then uh, there's a lot of writers within the ranks of the surveying profession that can turn that into uh, something readable and educational. So people shouldn't hesitate. Right, yeah. Uh, should, 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 I, should I fail to bring up my Yankee story, or would you rather I didn't talk baseball? <laughs> I was at a, one of your Kurt. I was at one of your conferences a couple of years ago, and and I was talking baseball with somebody. And I'm, as you know, I'm a, unfortunately I'm a big New York Yankee fan. And he mentioned that his company, a small firm, had actually surveyed Yankee Stadium, and he found out that the uh, visitor visiting dugout had a unfair disadvantage. Apparently, the crown of the field was such that people in the dugout, in the visitors' dugout, could not see first base. But anyway, uh, you know, you talk to someone long enough about whatever it is. Uh, a story surfaces, and I'm sure that was totally unintentional. Exactly. Well, the Yankees, <laughs> the Yankees made Yankees made the cover. Their story made the cover of our magazine, and I, the next year, the Yankee, the uh, Boston Red Sox won the World Series. So I, I, I put a hex on my own team. <laughs> oh, and I, I got to mention, Kurt, that uh, um, you know the NSPS Maps Spring Conference. Uh, John Warren did an editorial uh, uh, beforehand uh, explaining the goals. And uh, from our from our take, it was it was small but very powerful, uh, very well you know well put together, a good start I, I think. It'd be a shame to not keep that ball rolling, uh, especially like if the NGS can continue their geodesy summit in, in conjunction. And we're that actually in plan in our planning process right now for next year. We're looking a little earlier. We're going to look. Uh, I think the week of March 14, I think, is that Monday or 13, something like that. Yeah, that was um, definitely worth our while. I and mean, we all we all descended on Alexandria, and that was a great couple of days down there, Kirk. Oh, yeah. Well, before we run out of time, uh, I want to again congratulate you on your first year. Uh, looking forward to, to more new, expanded, more information, more materials. You, I know you guys do a really good job pulling all that together. And so I, I really appreciate you guys both being with me today, both literally and figuratively, because <laughs> you're with me on the show, but you're you're also here visiting in the office today, so I, I appreciate that very much, and uh, we'll have to come back again in the near future. I certainly will want to hear the results of the 40 or under 40. Thank you, Kurt. We really appreciate you giving us the time to, to talk about a variety of issues. It's Thanks been great, and, and I, I'm, I'm not going to uh, vow to be a judge yet, I'm not sure I have enough time for all that, but nonetheless, it'll be exciting. So, again, I appreciate you guys being on with me today, and we'll talk again sometime soon. Thank you. Cool. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.